Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Sunday, the uh, 26th day of March. Why are we counting the days down? Well, we're getting to the first day of April. And uh, you know what that is, right? April Fool's Day. Nothing particularly entertaining or fooling around about this particular date, this first day of April, 2023. It has to do with the carbon tax. And the increase in the carbon tax that Mr. Trudeau has committed to and committed us to. So we're going to talk a bit about the carbon tax today. And we're also going to hear from you what your sense is and what your feelings are about this carbon tax that the uh, liberal government has made its cornerstone policy or promise, if you will, and uh, where this eventually will lead us. Dan McTagg, for 18 years, was a member of the Liberal Party, a caucus, member of parliament, and uh, stood against the carbon tax from the very beginning. Did not make the prime minister particularly happy, but it is what it is, and uh, eventually the parting of the ways took place, as you know, Mr. McTagg and uh, the Liberal Party parted ways. Dan, what was it about that particular incident, about that, if we can just go back to that particular incident, that moment when you decided, I'm done, I'm not going along with this any longer, I'm leaving the party. What was it about that tax that made you make that decision? Big decision. It, well, it was, and it had its genesis or its origins in the 2008 uh, green shift. I was just getting ready to move here and found my old green shift hat and green shift scarf all liberal members uh, adorned back in 2008 and uh, happy to introduce something that they had no idea would be the implications on the Canadian economy. And uh, I remember many, many calls from the whip saying you have to show up. I said, I'm not in favor of this. This is, uh, this is bad news. You can't explain it. It's going to drive up the cost of living for everybody with no appreciable effects other than making other countries quite happy that we get ourselves out of the oil and gas sector or number one, generator of revenue in this country. Oh, sorry, Roy, let me repeat that, that our number one generator uh, as, an, uh, as a sector of the economy uh, to the to, uh, Canadian government coffers and to our social programs, et cetera. So I said no, um, and uh, I suspected that by the time Gerald Butts, Katie Telford, uh, coming from the uh, McGinty Wynn clan from Ontario, would make their way to Ottawa, that uh, the disaster that was the Green Energy Act in Ontario would now be applied universally across the country and uh, for that reason. Uh, and there were others, of course, as well. Uh, I just couldn't find myself as the guy who was uh, saving lives of Canadians abroad, bringing in the organ donor uh, recognition week, by the way, which is the third week of April. Um, all of these things, I think, were very, very important. Uh, and it's just something that I thought uh, my old party had uh, completely uh, lost uh, its, its, its way. And of course, uh, uh, did not put uh, the importance of strong of a strong economy and recognizing some of the good things we've done on environmental issues, among other things. I thought this was just not the way to go. Hence my uh, departure from uh, the once stable center and proud uh, and consensus building Liberal Party. Did you have hope that uh, this was not going to take place, that the carbon tax was not going to accelerate in the manner that we now know that it will accelerate and has accelerated so far and will continue to accelerate. Was there a sense uh, that you felt maybe that maybe Mr. Trudeau and, and, uh, and the rest of the caucus will not go along with this? 
the defeat of the Wynn government, the defeat of the Notley government, so the Wynn government in Ontario, the Notley government in Alberta, uh, gave me reason to believe that they would pause. Uh, but that didn't happen. We know Canada was the only country uh, that I'm aware of that raised uh, taxes during the pandemic. That would be uh, with the first tranche of, uh, of uh, carbon taxes imposed on April 1st, three years ago. Um, and uh, ever since then, uh, I think uh, the opening remark, very interesting from uh, the leader of the opposition, Pierre Polyev. The Liberals went as far as to even break their promise of saying no more than $50 a ton. In other words, this is it. No more than 11.05 cents a litre plus HST or GST. Uh, but now we're going to see that move to 37.43 cents a litre at HST, GST, so 40, 41 cents a litre. And then layer that with a clean fuel standard, which starts on July 1st which will have, when it's all said and done, the dust settles, an additional 30 cent a litre impact on diesel and gasoline. So uh, I had hope, uh, but those hopes have been severely damaged and, uh, uh, you know, really a state of war exists now between uh, consumer and the government of Canada. What was the actual stated reason for the carbon tax? Uh, the federal Liberals, along with their friends in the NDP and the Green. Uh, really flip side of the same coin, all felt that uh, Canada had to do more to, uh, you know, to diminish the amount of, uh, of uh, carbon in the air, uh, CO2, uh, not being mindful of the fact that it had already done so, more importantly, that its energy could have provided a solution to many countries in the world, which uh, are obviously thumbing their nose at any type of emissions caps, most notably, of course, uh, China and India, but there are many others. And so uh, I suspect that was the point the government was trying to make, that they were going to try to be trendy and cute at your and my expense, uh, and then try to bamboozle and, frankly, lie to Canadians, as they have done, uh, with the idea that somehow the rebate would be bigger than what they're paying. And you just think about that for a moment. You're going to take in a certain amount of money, but you're going to give more back. Uh, that is, uh, that's not just creative uh, financing. That's, that's, that's poppycock. And anybody who would believe that... Of course, uh, you know, we probably believe that, uh, you know, the sun uh, rises in the west and settles in the east. That aside, Roy, I think what we have seen here is a, a government that is uh, quite willing to use, you know, uh, you know, smoke and mirrors in order to get uh, very, very bad policies through. And unlike before, say last year, the year before, where we had all sorts of distractions like uh, COVID, uh, CERB, uh, take your pick uh, of, of high profile issues, we still have some. It's now starting to become pretty clear to most Canadians, especially here in Toronto, where I live, uh, there's no free lunch, that this rebate that falls far short, uh, and that, of course, it's now uh, spreading, uh, much like a, a virus, into other areas of the economy, most notably uh, your colleague, my friend, and ours, are both our friend, as food professor, uh, has made it uh, uh, very clear in the past. Um, it's now starting to impact food prices well beyond uh, the cost of energy. If we project a year down the road, two years down the road, what impact will the carbon tax have had on us on the first day of April 2024 and 2025? It will uh, exceed the rate of inflation and guidance that apparently every single uh, central bank, uh, U.S. Fed, Canadian, the Bank of Canada have been trying to tackle. We want and they want uh, a policy uh, and uh, action on not just the labor front, but on the cost of living that would be ideally in the range of 2% a year. 
So think about that for a moment. You're going to impose a carbon tax that is 14.31 cents a liter for gasoline. I mean, there's obviously there's diesel to this, there's propane, there's natural gas. Uh, but let's just use gasoline for a moment. 14.31 cents a liter. And let's say the average price in Canada is $1.47. Uh, and then you add HST to, the, to that amount of 14.31. That gives me 16 cents a liter. That's 9 or 10% inflation. In other words, it is self-defeating for governments and for policymakers trying to combat inflation to ignore the effect of, of an arbitrary uh, increase in the price of energy uh, and then fight that off with rising interest rates. So what are the effects on the economy? To a large extent, just the carbon tax alone ri- rising at a rate that is an, an, an imposition which is much higher than the rate of inflation coupled with green policies, which are diminishing the value of the Canadian dollar, among other things. Uh, it's uh, diminishing the world, the, really the, uh, the purchase power of every single Canadian out there, and substantially so. Does it surprise you, Dan, that Mr. Trudeau has not changed course with the carbon tax over the last year particularly? There's been some considerable pushback from the people in this country, and he's maintained steadfastly, this is his schedule, this is what he intends to do, and we'd better get ready for it. Well, as long as the bribe works, and uh, you can convince people that they're getting more money than actually they're paying, it'll, they'll go along with it. But uh, something has changed in Canada. It, it is, in fact, broken. Um, 50% of Canadians can't make ends meet. Any type of increase, no matter what the so-called rebate is, will not satisfy those who might get it quarterly when the problem is immediate. They can't make their bill. They can't make ends, uh, you know, uh, ends meet at the end of the week. Uh, I suspect that what is really happening here is a wider recognition, something that was never talked about last year, save and except your conversations with me and others at Canadians for Affordable Energy. We've been ringing this bell since 2018, 2019, saying this is going to hurt. It's going to be a problem. Uh, and we're now starting to see that. People recognize that uh, affordability is probably the main issue in this country. There are many, of course, but they all lead to the once inability to make ends meet, as I mentioned earlier. But more seriously, I think... Uh, uh, the uh, the time I think has come where those who are trying to say oh it's all about the climate it's all about what you know the climate emergency the climate crisis I think people understand that but I think it's over over oversold and what's happening now is that people say I can't make my payments at the end of the week I can't be necessarily preoccupied with what might happen in fifty or hundred or one hundred fifty years from now. And so I think uh, what's happening for most politicians and I think for a good number of representatives is it's a get real moment because affordability is and the collapse of, uh, of, uh, of our ability to make ends meet, I think, is really going to lead many Canadians to uh, choosing other options. And that option will not include those parties, the three that I mentioned earlier, that are committed to uh, ever-increasing taxation, which uh, many people cannot uh, afford and at the end of the day doesn't drop any type of emissions in Canada, much less address the problem in the world of higher emissions and with uh, China and India building new coal plants every week. Uh, Dan McTagg, former Liberal Member of Parliament, who has opposed the carbon tax since... Well, I, I want to be careful what I say here. I say that you opposed it since day one. What, were you opposed to it right from the very beginning? I didn't like it because it wasn't well understood at the time. The, uh, the carbon tax issue isn't just about one carbon tax, as I mentioned, there's a clean fuel standard, there's uh, emission caps, there is blocking of pipelines. Uh, here's the problem. And though I, I'm speaking to a different audience now, an audience that loves carbon taxes. 
you may love them, but the guy who proposed them and who won a uh, uh, it was a Nobel Peace Laureate uh, for doing this, uh, William Nordhaus, N O R D H A U S. Everybody should do a Wikipedia search on that, and he'll, you'll find that what he said is, "Hey, I like carbon taxes. It's a great, wonderful thing, and it sends the right price signal." But do not layer any type of other regulations on top of that. In other words, don't put a second carbon tax on it. Don't apply a GST or an HST to that. And do not, under any circumstance, uh, try to frustrate industries that are eventually going to make those changes with or without carbon pricing. In other words, he's often in favor of one carbon tax and nothing else. The Trudeau government has layered on not just one, but several other important steps that will destroy and frustrate the very essential importance of that existing carbon tax. So for all the pointy heads out there who love carbon taxes and think they're great and that they can make an argument about it, your chief economist on this topic globally, William Nordhaus, says that's not the way you're supposed to go. And so I was waiting for someone to come out and say they love it. Uh, When you mention Nordhaus and uh, they have any type of intellectual honesty, they'll run away, uh, you know, with tail between the legs. How's the party, how has the party changed since this carbon tax issue became the mantra for the government? Oh, I think it's an obsession. Uh, the Liberal Party has now become more of a, an economic cult, uh, you know, fixated almost exclusively. So how are you uh, viewed? I don't know. Uh, and frankly, it's not the same party I represent. Uh, and there's a lot of people. I think uh, one of the interesting parts is that we're now starting to see real signs of opposition popping up in the Liberal Party. Um, it's not well known yet, but I think it'll show up at the uh, upcoming biennial convention. I'm still ex officio. I haven't changed any party. I simply want nothing to do with the Trudeau cult. Uh, but more importantly, I think it really has to do with the fact that all those years of Liberals working damn hard to get the economic house picture, uh, our economic house in order, uh, you recall the battles on cutting in budgets, finances, et cetera. Yes. Uh, being, uh, those were tough times. We achieved those. We've lost our way. And as a result, I think Canadians are going to uh, be dealt a very, very painful future as a result of the largesse of this government, not willing to understand the importance. The rest of the world understands the importance of oil and gas. The only country that seems to say no, and that's <laughs> even to our good friends like Japan and Germany, is Canada and its Prime Minister in particular. And I think that narrative is about to change. Uh, no, notwithstanding the 44% of women over 55 who vote Liberal, I think a lot of them are starting to realize any person I know uh, who happens to be grocery shopping knows there's something wrong with the country today. Okay. And that includes a lot of women. Let's see what happens when we take some calls here. Karen is in Burlington, Ontario. Oh, Karen, thanks for waiting. Go ahead, please. Um, I totally agree with both of you today, including Dan. I've always listened to him. I always like your show. I would really like to ask both of you, and Dan in particular, what is the carbon tax doing for the environment in Canada? So we have just over a minute. Uh, Dan, what is the carbon tax doing for the environment in this country? Zilch. Nothing. If anything, it's probably increasing it only because we have to look at other uh, means. So, for instance, the clean fuel standard and other carbon tax will mean burning more ethanol in the United States or burning more coal to create more ethanol in the United States and getting crappier mileage for our vehicles. As for the carbon tax itself, uh, other than the COVID lockdowns, Canada is increasing its emissions, regardless of the technologies that are there. And of course, uh, uh, she speaks very well to what I think is for many people uh, a grave concern, and that is uh, that the country cannot afford uh, to turn its back on the very thing that provides it the revenue on which it uh, it survives. So the carbon tax 
highly inflationary, has very little to prove. Many nations have uh, taken the position of not uh, of not uh, proceeding with it. And thank goodness the Americans south of the border are producing more natural gas because come the next few months, we're going to see our natural gas bills drop. At the same time, we're going to see this carbon tax drive up the price and has a sort of counter effect, which is having no other appreciable effect except increasing inflation and rising interest rates. If you want to hear more, subscribe to The Roy Green Show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorites. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review and tell a friend. I'm Roy Green. Have a great weekend.